I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for 10 years. So I want to start off the show today, lads, with a tribute, a thank you to all of the inter-county footballers, especially footballers rather than hurlers, because hurlers are playing cha- provincial championships, which involve no travel. The footballers have had to endure two rounds of National League. You have leash players going up to Fermanagh and you have them stopping in in the Mullahoran Club in Cavan and eating their dinner in a cold stand after doing the warm-up before the Fermanagh match. You've done it all by driving the whole length of the country to Kerry for a game that they didn't even want to play in. So it was only a nuisance to them. You have Antrim players giving up home advantage to accommodate Waterford, who didn't want to travel up to Antrim and to beat them anyways. You have Fermanagh travelling to, to Clare with half a team. You have Armagh playing Roscommon in a top-of-the-table clash after missing maybe 18 players um, and first-teamers in the lead-up to the game. Like, I mean, I think... Because there's a very negative narrative around this, Kieran, and I think it's important to say thank you to all the players and, and not to underestimate the commitment that they're giving us in some incredible times. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, the commitment the players throughout Ireland are showing over in this current climate is um, is brilliant. You know, um, as you, you mentioned there, that the boundaries and the the protocols that the players have to have to go through to make themselves available to, to go to training um, two nights a week and then to go and play that match of the weekend. And, you know, once they come out of that environment from training and their daily work routine, you know, them boys are, are, are living in a wee bubble of their own to give them the best opportunity and give their county the best chance to anticipate in these ma- matches. And not alone that, but to give people in each county a bit of hope and a bit of light and, and something to look forward to the weekend. Yeah, and I think that's the important point because Sean O'Shea was doing some media this this weekend or during the week and he says, hopefully we can give them, that's the supporters, something to look forward to. Level five will be tough with the nights getting dark and people stuck at home. If we have a match at the weekend, people will probably start on a Tuesday or Wednesday talking about it, ringing their friends and finding out about the game. And Connor, like I strongly believe that a lot of the players' motivation for doing this, like obviously they love the game and it's a good distraction for them, but it's a pain in their arses as well what they're having to go through to play. Yeah, absolutely. Kira, Kieran made a good point, and Sean O'Shea made a good point there as well about uh, it's only re- at the weekend. Like it, it's been said a lot about it, kind of um, giving people to something to look forward to, and giving them a bit of hope and something like that. But I didn't realize it uh, myself until the weekend. So we were what three or four days into level five restrictions at the weekend, and there was me on my Saturday night and Sunday, basically planned out because I had a whole series of matches to look forward to basically you know and like the weekend would have been a lot more grim I think without it so certainly from my perspective anyway so it's just I think and then then I think we don't 
we just see, you know, we just see these teams, you know, turn up and play in the TV, whatever. And then when you go into the stories behind it, thinking of Donegal lads having to go, you know, travel individually in cars down to uh, down to Kerry as the Kerry lads had to do. Uh, had to do in Monaghan the week before and it's just we kind of we tend to underestimate the sacrifices that these lads are making especially given everything else they have to deal with as well with, with what's going on so just like uh, I'm glad you paid that tribute Woolly I was worried you were getting a bit emotional on me but uh, <laughs> very well said and uh, very well deserved for for, yeah. for everyone, everyone you mentioned I think here McGeaney was asked about celebrating getting promoted and he said 12 hours of celebrating in the car going up the road. That was it. Now, I don't know how slow you, slowly you drive in Armagh, Kieran, but I'm not sure how it takes 12 hours to get back to Armagh from Clare. But anyway, listen, the, 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 the championship is kicking off, lads, and this has to be pointed out that it's kind of slipped under the radar. Like, I mean, it doesn't have the feel that the championship is kicked off. I don't know about G, and it's knockout. So we're going to talk about Tyrone Donegal very soon. And it's very, very hard to get our head around the fact that either Donegal or Tyrone are going to be completely out of the championship, um, you know, after this weekend, Kieran, I don't know if you if you have processed this yet. Yeah, look, you know, it's 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 strange times and, and you know, the knockout. And I think, you know, the closer we get to the weekend, the more appetite that people's going to have with it. You know, when you start buying the newspaper and reading the articles leading into the matches and, you know, in this game that uh, lies ahead on Sunday between Throne and Donegal, like, you know, one of the big guns is, is, is going to be gone come sun, Sunday evening. Yeah, it just seems like so it's so weird, right? So I was thinking back, the last knockout football championship was in 2000. Um, I was unlucky enough to be playing back in 2000 that year because um, we lost to Westmead. It was our only championship game. Just think back to these times, like you train all year, you play the league. We played Westmead on the 5th of June um, on a bank holiday Monday and we lost. And we were out. We were out. That was the end of our championship on the 5th of June. And it just seems so bizarre to even think about that now. But that was the world we lived in now. And it was funny. On that same day, the Leash Hurlers lost to Dublin before us. So both Leash inter-county teams were out on June the 5th. Like, I mean, there was no summer whatsoever. Like, I don't know, Connor. We're back to that now. Obviously, it has a different feel to it. And, you know, we're in the, we're coming into winter and it's a special championship and everything. But it it is. It's straight knockout and someone is out of the championship on Monday morning. I wonder, Willie, did the Leash football teams and hurling teams get together on that bank holiday or the Tuesday? Probably going to for a good few days after that. that was well, I think, I think we had to go drinking up in Dublin because we were afraid to go back to Port Leash after it. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's it hasn't dawned on me yet until I was kind of looking into Donegal Tyrone this weekend and thinking, God, like... Do you know, like one of these teams are going to be gone. Come, like two of the two of the heavyweight, two of the prime contenders are going to be gone. And you could argue that, like some of the, if this game took place another year, sometimes you could argue that, like because there's the safety net there, that you know the the maybe the intensity of some of these games might have suffered kind of over the years. Only only in certain cases, like you know. But I was even just thinking that from like even from a Mayo looking at it from a Mayo perspective, like. If Mayo don't win a Connacht, like Mayo haven't won a Connacht title since, like Mayo have been there or thereabouts, but haven't won a Connacht title since 2015. And if they want to be there at the business end of the season this year, they have to go and do that. So it's only like, it's only now that I'm kind of looking at, you know, like come come two or three weeks time, we're like half the teams are going to be gone completely. And we're, we just haven't been used to that for 20 years. So no. I, I don't know, because it doesn't have the same hype about it because, because to be honest for me I'm looking at a championship in October which is completely strange as opposed to the height of summer and stuff but uh, listen it, like it's 
it's going to come thick. I was even looking at the pictures. It's going to come thick and fast. But while there's teams going to be gone, there's always going to be something to look forward to in the week to come. And we're, we're, we're catered for right, right up until Christmas as well. Yeah, incidentally, Mayo in 2000 lost um, to Sligo in the Connacht Championship. And Sligo went on to lose by 18 points to Galway. I'm not saying if that's any sort of an omen. You'll be happy to hear our man won the Ulster, Kieran. So, like, I mean, I don't know. Again, oh, it's funny enough. I remember back to that 2000 Championship, lads. And I had I played in 1998. That was knockout as well. And then I had disappeared off the leash panel in 99, which wouldn't have been out of character for me. And then in 2000, I destroyed my ankle, right? And it's just the idea of knockout. So... 10 days before the match, you know those really bad ankle injuries where you go over on it and it turns black, blue, it goes down to your toes, the black, it goes into your calf muscle, you just make shit of it. And because I'd missed the year before and because I knew, Jesus, if I don't play this game against Westmead, I'm two years out now and I'm only 20 years of age. This is a, you know, this is a disaster. And I played that match with a strapped up ankle against Westmead that day purely because this is my only shot for a full year. You know what I mean, Kieran? Like, I mean, I, I know players look after themselves a bit more be- now because potentially you obviously have a back door usually. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the same thing. Like, you know, once it's a straight knockout, like, you know, your season goes very quickly and and the years don't be long adding up um, if you don't get any momentum on, on, on them years that it's a straight knockout. And I think players will be looking towards that at the weekend that, you know, you know, they'll not want to count. It's been a tough year and the opportunity arises this weekend for a number of teams and they'll want to stay in this championship as, as long as they can. And as as we said earlier on the show, to bring a bit of hope and a bit of, a bit of life to, to, to their county that they're representing. Yeah. Now, the reason I brought up that ankle injury is because I was reading some quotes from Killian O'Connor. Now, I'm not saying back in my day it was tough for Connor, and I'm not saying Killian O'Connor. <laughs> I'm not saying Killian O'Connor is soft in any way. He'd be tough on the field. But wait, and you hear this quote? He didn't play against Galway last weekend, and here's the reason why. I got it. It was just a little bang on my quad. I was hoping to play against Tyrone um, even after the Galway. Or sorry, he didn't play against Tyrone because of the Galway game. He says it was just a little bang on my quad. And I was hoping to play against Tyrone even after the Galway game. I had a bit of a run around on Saturday, the day before, just to clear it. And it just wasn't 100% right. Now, are the Mayo lads soft that a little bang on the quad is going to stop you playing against Tyrone just because it wasn't 100% right? I didn't know players waited to be 100%. What's wrong with 98% right? You're saying you're not calling Killian O'Connor soft, boy. That's exactly what you're doing right there. I was um, just thinking, what would Roy Keane's reaction to Killian O'Connor saying he got a little bang on the quad? An outrageous accusation. <laughs> let, let me put it the other way, Wally. Let me let me try and maybe paint a picture in the other in another context. Is that Killian O'Connor? I'm just trying to think back the amount of league football that Killian O'Connor has played over the last few years. There's a reason for that. It's because he's picked up loads of various niggles. And actually, there's been more than various niggles. There have been fairly serious injuries. And now it hasn't affected his championship time an awful lot, but he has missed an awful lot of time for Mayo. So I would imagine that the context here is that Killian O'Connor might well have wanted to play against Tyrone, but Dan Porn is looking at, well, he has, you know, he has uh, Leitrim next weekend. And he has Roscommon the following weekend. And then if that goes if that goes to plan, there's a Connacht final after that. So he's probably thinking of preservation for Killian O'Connor. And to be honest, that maybe paints a picture of, of how they were going into, you know, how, how seriously James Thorne treated um, last week against Throne. Obviously, obviously they, you know, Mayo wanted to stay up there with the longest serving team in the division. But he wasn't prepared to risk somebody who was, I think it was more probably more James Thorne's decision than Killian O'Connor's decision. 
and yeah, he wants yeah. to take risk in Ian O'Connor because he wants to preserve him for the long run. Because as we just said, one game in the championship and and he's gone. So he wants to wants him to be in as good a shape as possible. So in conclusion, Kenny O'Connor is not soft. Really. In, in conclusion, you're getting very defensive about a bit of a joke. Anyways, listen, we'll we'll move on from that because one. I usually don't talk about analysis in part one, but we've so much to get through, and we've Davy Burke interview coming up in part two. We'll kick it off with Donegal and Tyrone here, and like I mean, it's interesting that Donegal are going for three in a row here, Kieran. This hasn't been done since our mad did it from 04 to 06 team you were involved with and before that I think it was the 1960s like it should be underestimated what Donegal are attempting to do here yeah look you know it's um it's 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 a, it's a great achievement that they're going for as you said Armagh was the last team to to capture that thing um you know so obviously they'll have their eyes set on that target as well um to try and, and replicate what what Armagh did in the noughties and um, and no better place to start that in Bally Buffet on Sunday against their, their old rivals, Tyrone. Yeah, well, I keep this one here with you because this this is uh, an interesting question and it's just very, very hard to answer. Will the Tyrone team against Donegal in the league two weeks ago show up or will the more high-pressing Tyrone team we saw against Mayo, I know there was a, a strong wind involved that day, but will we see Tyrone going for that kind of an approach? I think it's going to be cagey, Wally. Um, you know, I think we we know what what way both teams are set up. Um, Donegal will will have a defensive um, template in place, and you know, I think Tyrone will will do will do the same. They won't have won't play with the freedom that they had last week against Mayo, and I think part of that was that Mayo allowed them to play football. And you lead into Bally Buffet on Sunday afternoon. Tyrone or Donegal is not going to give Tyrone forwards that space. And it's going to be a cagey game, I think, that we've seen two weeks ago in the league. Right. But even from kickouts, there would be the the opportunity, you know, before the team retreats back to potentially get that, you know, one-on-one situation. The point I'm making is more Tyrone pressed up so high against Mayo, whereas against Donegal, they backed off them and waited for them. And can Tyrone beat Donegal in a game like that where Donegal are just so comfortable playing around the outside of that kind of system? Yeah, look, you know, it, it's you know, it's um, there's going to be cases in the game where they're going to have to press kickouts, um, you know, and then they're going to have to drop off, and I think that'll be down, by line of decision making with on the pitch, um, because you know we know how good Sean Patton is and his kickouts and can really hurt you. Donegal can really hurt you from them restarts. Um, if Tyrone's drop off and allow Donegal, as you said, to play out the, around the outskirts. You know, I think Donegal picked them off handy enough on Sunday, even if they allow that to happen. Where I think if they get a higher press and put the Donegal defence on the pressure coming out with the ball. You know, there's opportunities that they will get joy from that on, on Sunday afternoon. But, yeah. you know, it's their decision making note on that pitch um, when to do that and when not to do it. The the thing about Donegal, uh, Connor, is that they seem so comfortable. I've made this point on the show before. Even Donegal club football, like, I mean, they'll defend in numbers, but they'll slow their attack down so much that they'll get their forwards back up in position. Do you know what I mean? And then they're playing around the outside with their forwards all back in position and everyone kind of pairs off and then they'll be able to give in a a kick pass or two when the time is right. Now, my point is for Tyrone, why on earth would you stand off Donegal, allow them play around the outside, find a gap? Because they'll do it. That's the football that's played in Donegal. They have to surely be out in players' faces, putting pressure on that ball and making sure Donegal don't have that easy time to relax on the ball, play it over and back. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it'll be some sort of a hybrid maybe between what they did against Donegal the first day and then trying to press the way they did against Mayo. The thing is, and Kieran made a point there, the thing is, like 
Tyrone went after David Clark to kick out, and like Kerry showed in the super in the super eights last year that if you go uh, if you if you go after David Clark's kick out, you can have huge success because he doesn't have a ping on him. He's a looping kick out. He tends to go yeah. short. If you put a lot of pressure on, as Tyrone did, you you can get a lot of success as they did, especially with Conor McKenna's goal in the second half. So like. The danger there is, and like I'm just thinking back to the uh, the game last year, albeit in completely different conditions between Donegal and Tyrone, that Sean Pat like Donegal had so much joy on um, on 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 the kickouts, especially with Patton. And the danger is if you press up so high, depending on what the wind is going to be like Sunday, that he can just kick over you. Yeah. You know, or, or, or he can nearly render the press irrelevant, depending on the conditions, obviously. And then, of course, the, like Donegal might want to go along then because they'll have so much height around the middle. So they, they, it's it's the catch twenty two. It, it's 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 trying to get that balance right between like how much do you press high, you know, and how and how much do you sit back and, and try and frustrate Donegal. But like Donegal are the worst team, you know, maybe uh, like with Dublin who who've become so used to playing against systems like that because they can be so patient, as you said, because they're so used to it and they nearly have it down to a fine art at this stage. So I I, I don't know. Like my my inclination with with um, with Toronto with Mickey Hart is that. Uh, although they had success against Mayo, I think he'd realise that Donegal are a completely different team. And, yeah. I, and I think, as, as Kieran said, I think it's going to be cagey. And I would say that they're going to be more naturally conservative than they were against Mayo on Sunday. Yeah, well, you suppose, like, I mean, the way I would look at it, it would be, Kieran, like, I mean, how do you balance the risk versus the reward? The reward of pressing high and the odd mistake, like Conor McKenna was able to score a goal off a, off a bad kick-out because of a press, versus what you potentially could give up. I completely take the point. Patton could go along. He's a boomer of a kick-out. You know, how can we avoid that flick-on and maybe have somebody, a wing forward, you know, sweeping in around to make sure that doesn't happen? The, the risk-reward has to be balanced up. Now, I know these two two teams are kind of, they'd be more on the conservative end tactically. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it boils down to that risk and reward, as you said, Willie. Like, you know, and what are the pros and cons of that? Um, will Sean Patton do what David Clark did at the weekend and cough up them short kickouts to um, give Tyrone opportunity to score goals? I don't think so. And if Tyrone go for that full court press on the kickouts, you know, with um, the way the Donegal team is organised and the structure that they have for set kickouts and the pace they have coming from that middle third, Oh, I just believe Throne will be asking for trouble if, if they take that um, risk on, on Sunday afternoon. Right, OK. Like, I mean, there's no doubt Donegal have loads of targets for the kickouts. There's a big kind of contrast in the size of both teams. Like, I mean, Tyrone do not have big team, big players. Now, in fairness, even back in the days when they were winning All-Irelands, they, they never had huge teams, especially around the middle. But other than, um, other than Ken, Brian Kennedy, they have very little height around that area. Yeah, look, but you know, you had Connor Gormley, you had Ricey, you had these boys plugging holes in the centre of defence, and you know, and you very often you got to run through that centre of defence when them boys were about. You know, they either stop, overturn you, or else worst case scenario, they give a free away. With the present minutes, you know, I don't think Tyrone have that caliber player in their centre of defence that has the ability to stop that running power that um, Donegal will, will pose problems with on Sunday afternoon. Right. So your advice then, what would your advice for Tyrone be to the ki- for the kickouts then? The high press is, is too risky because of Patton's long kickout. Like, I mean, if they drop off, you're looking at Donegal having, well, even if they don't drop off, you're looking at, at Donegal having Michael Murphy as a target, Jason McGee as a target, um, McFadden as a target, Langan as a target, Thompson as a target. Donegal, there is no other way of painting this. From kickouts, Donegal have a huge advantage. Yeah, look, I think you've got to mix and match it. You know, I think every opportunity you have of a scoreable free kick, 
I think you've got to go and press and press hard on the keeper because that allows you um, 20, 30, 45 seconds to get organised and get everybody in place. Yeah. You know, where on the flip side of that, um, if you score from a from open play or kick a wide open play, you might not have the bodies up the pitch to get that press on you want. So I think they got to go with the approach and sound of a mix and match that you know, every opportunity to get a scoreboard free kick. You know, I would take the, personally, I would take the risk and, and press Patton's kickouts, but being on the, the cautious side of that he's locking that ball over the top and making sure everybody knows the rules and, and filtering in once that ball travels long to either win the ball and if they don't win it, then just stop the game and, and stop the momentum that Donegal is trying to create from their kickouts. Yeah, one thing, one thing, Connor, it, that Tyrone always used to have back in the day when they're winning all Ireland's is that they were brilliant on the breaking ball. Like, mm. I mean, they were very, very tenacious to get in on top of it, to break it. Um, they wouldn't have fetchers like Darrow Shea, for example, but they were very, very determined, wiry, and they'd be down on breaks. The problem is now there isn't really the same breaking ball in the game because, like I said, Donegal are going to target Murphy maybe on a wing, uh, Langan on another wing, Thompson somewhere else. somewhere. So you can't get those bodies around that breaking ball area that you used to. Yeah, yeah, and, and then that's that's the thing when you when you say when you point out the targets, like it, it's all very well and good saying you're going to get two and three men around Michael Murphy, but you can't have two or three men around Michael Murphy, Kieran Thompson, Michael Langan, Jason McGee. You know, yeah. and they're, they're all going to be stationed at different parts of the pitch for 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 Sean Patton to to kick it out with. So it's 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 very it's very difficult to spoil. It's going to be very difficult for for uh, for Toronto to spoil that. And as well as that, not the, the Donegal lads don't always look to to catch it clean either. You know, the the fam- the famous one is the is the is the Michael Murphy tap down to Ryan. Yeah, they do that well. The team still haven't figured out about two or three years on. So I it's it's. It, it's probably going to be the key, to be honest. I agree with Kieran. Like you can't, you can't just let them have it all the time. You probably have to pick and choose your moments to press, and the 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 time to do that would be you know when you have set plays. But they're they're definitely not going to do it all the time. So it's just the more I look at the personnel around there, I I fear for I fear for Tyrone because primary possession is going to be key on Sunday. The more they all have it, the more they'll hold on to it and frustrate Tyrone. And I just especially when I look at that kind of middle eight area and the people that the personnel that Donegal are going to have there, I just think they're going to have a huge advantage no matter what happens with, with the kickouts. Yeah, no, and that's true. And like we we know that the aggressive press against Mayo in the first half when that long ball over the top just was not an option for Clark because, you know what I mean, he was against the Gale Force win. So that mm-hmm. risk that risk wasn't there. Who's going to mark Michael Murphy, Kieran? Because, like, I mean, Hamsey has done it in the past and done all right. Um, he looks like he's out for the weekend. Rory Brennan then was the go-to man. He's suspended. Like, I mean, is it a case where they need to have somebody following Michael Murphy all the time or could they say, right, McNamee picks him up if he goes inside and if he goes out around midfield, why not put Maddie Donnelly on him? And actually, instead of Michael Murphy, you know, going where he wants and having someone shadowing him and Michael Murphy's going to win primary ball no matter who's marking him because he's such a big, you know, monster of a man. Why not say to... Matty Donnelly, you go forward at every opportunity and, you know, Michael Murphy's not going to want to actually follow you. Yeah, look, you know, it's it, it, it's going to be a key moment in the game as to who Mickey picks to, to track Murphy, you know, and I think Michael is smart enough that if they put Matty Donnelly on him, you know, Michael won't waste energy in tracking Matty Donnelly back. He'll pass that baton on to somebody else and get someone else in that middle third to tag him. Right. Um, you know, I would, you know, preferably... I would put Ronan McNamee on him and, and tell him to tag him wherever he goes. Um, Ronan's a, a great player, a great man marker. He's aggressive. He's aggressive in the air. He's aggressive on the ground. 
and I think he could be a perfect match for for Murphy on Sunday because this is a key, this is an area where Throne have struggled in the past. Is trying to curtail Michael's influence on the game, and if Michael has a, a big influence on the game on Sunday, there's only going to be one winner. Yeah, McNamee, I suppose, is so safe inside there. You'd be leaving Hugh Pat McGeary and Young Rafferty inside, probably on um, on Brennan and maybe McBrearty. McBrearty could be back, or else it'd be um, Ushin Gallen. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, it's just a possibility where you know, you know, I would, you know, if you can influence Michael Murphy out round the middle, that yeah. will solve a lot of problems of the ball going inside to to the other three boys that we mentioned there. Yeah, no, well, that's it. And, and I suppose both teams will try and get players back. Amazingly, Mayo didn't really play a sweeper last week, um, Connor, and that allowed, um, you know, Tyrone give that ball over the top because the cornerbacks were marking from the front, covering ball that potentially a sweeper would have covered. I think both Tyrone and Donegal will be getting somebody back. It might not be a full-time sweeper, but it'll be somebody who's dropping back immediately to cover off that ball out in front where the, the, the two cornerbacks can then mark from behind. You probably won't see Conor McKenna-type passes, you know, on, that we saw against Mayo um, this Sunday. You absolutely won't. Like, in, in many ways, like, Mayo was the worst, was the worst opposition that Tyrone could have played. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, because I know it's, it's, it's only a couple of games in the league, but, like, from what I've seen, James Horan's nearly decided to just go back to the template from 2012, where it's like, you know, it's 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 full corporate, it's everyone go forward and like leave no protection for the full back line whatsoever. And they did that against the Gale Force Breeze, you know, making like Connor Connor McKenna was absolutely fantastic last week, but like it's brilliant when you have 60 yards of open space to, to kick a to kick a kick, kick pass into Derek Anovan and he can get a goal from there. So I, I think I I don't think Toronto are stupid enough that they they they'll they'll realize that that's that just isn't going to be the case. That just isn't going to be the case the next year. They're just not going to get that space. And just go back to what you were saying there about Michael Murphy. Like I, I, I just, I, I'm not sure about the idea of saying that. Like when he goes into the full forward line, somebody takes him, and when he goes out around midfield, somebody takes him. Because then it's hard to like, what is the trigger for somebody? You know, it, there, there probably is a trigger that can work, but it, it might cause a bit of confusion. Whereas some people, oh, you're meant to have him there. You're meant to have him there. Yeah, when when, my, when Michael Murphy figures that out, he might hang around halfway between. Yeah, the two I, I agree with the idea of having tagged. I would worry about uh, Ronan McNamee do, doing it because I think he's the most solid presence that Tyrone have in there. And I think that, like, you know, I think Declan Bonner might even tempt uh, Tyrone into doing something like that so that Ushin Gallen and Jamie Brennan are left inside against two more in, inexperienced cornerbacks that, than Ronan McNamee in there. But uh, but again, it's an issue that, like, Tyrone have had this issue every year and have they have they ever properly addressed it maybe since going back when they, when they were beaten Tyrone back in 2015, 2016? All right, Tony, go back in 2015, 2016. I'm not sure. But the problem is, is that, like, you can take out Michael Murphy. He still is the key man. But then if you place too much emphasis on that, then Johnny Gall have so much quality in attack that you don't want to place too much emphasis on that. But uh, I think he'll be tagged. I don't think it'll be Rona McNamee, but we'll, we'll wait and see. While, while we're on the subject of tagging the kind of talisman, who's going to take on Conor McKenna, Kieran? I think my old mate McGee will be licking his lips up and greet over. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, I think... Um, you know, obviously Connor McKenna has uh, has been brilliant in the last two matches for coming back from Australia. You know, um, but I think this is a an opportunity where I think Bonner will go with McGee on him. Um and I know Neil personally and I know Neil uh, he'll he'll relish this opportunity and he would have been teasing things out over the, in the last the last meeting in the league match, trying to get his burns of what he likes and what he doesn't like. And um, I think it's a it's it's a, a battle that I'd really like to see, and hopefully Declan Bonner goes with it. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it, it, I'd say, well, he will, but like Neil McGee then as well, it's a bit like uh, McNamee. Neil McGee is his go-to marker in the full-back line as well. And I suppose Stephen McManaman is, is taking on that role a little bit more now as well. Yeah, you have, have Stephen McManaman in there. You have Owen Bowen Gallagher, like, you know, that, you know, he'll yeah. pose a more threat going forward. Like, you know, um, you know, it's probably just getting him. It's key to get the matchups right there because by the looks of things, you're going to have Peter Hart in there. You're going to have Conor McKenna. Will Mickey Hart be brave enough and go with young Dara Kavanagh inside, Canavan inside with them? That's to be seen yet. And you have Darren McCurry floating around the outskirts. So it's trying to get that balance right of, um, you know, Owen Ban Gallagher might suit Darren McCurry better. You know, and I think um, Lee McGee will, will, would suit Conor McKenna better than the other players that we've mentioned there. I think one matchup that will probably happen is Conor Myler will take up Ryan McHugh, Conor. Like, I mean, he seems to be the kind of go-to. He picks up Kieran Kilkenny. He's picked up Fenton, actually, in the past. Like, I mean, yeah. he's given he's given that... He does it. We know he doesn't play in the fours. He's given that kind of a role where he has to just follow somebody around. Yeah, I think so. And, then, like, uh, just thinking back to to even last year, like, not, not to be mentioned Mayo all the time, but, like, Mayo targeted Michael Murphy with... Uh, Lee Keegan and they put Paddy, uh, Paddy Jerkin on Ryan McHugh and it was the, probably the best job I've seen anyone do on on, on Ryan McHugh yeah. like in the last few years and then he went on to do it on Jack McCaffrey as well so there is a template there Connor Myler has shown he's kind of the as you said he's the go-to he's marked all sorts and I think after Murphy when you know when, when Mickey Hart is thinking of, of fellas that need to be marked he, he's going to be next in line so he he seems he seems tailor-made like he's he, Connor Myler is versatile enough that he, he's not to all ends of the pitch and, and won't mind that you know we'll have the fitness to keep up with Ryan McHugh as well. So that looks um that looks set in stone as well. And probably the, the second biggest battle to look after if uh Connor McKenna is going to take or Neil McGee is going to take Connor McKenna because that'll be box office. Yeah, exactly right, lads. We'll finish up here in part one with predictions. I'll start with you, Kieran. Um I think in a cage affair, I think Donegal will pick them off and win with four or five to spare. Ooh, Connor. Uh, not quite four or five, but I think Donegal will have it. I just think, as I said earlier on, I think they're, I think they've too, I think they're too strong around the middle, and I think, uh, I think they'll get too much. I think they'll get enough position possession of the ball. Sorry, to frustrate Tyrone and win with two or three points to spare, maybe not four or five. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. I think it's very hard to see past the Donegal win. They've too much power, firepower. They've too much height and strength around the middle, and they've got probably better more physical defenders as well. Like it is hard to see and have a better, much, much uh, bigger advantage um, from kickouts as well. So it is hard to see past Donegal if their attitude is right. And I, I think Tyrone, one of their starting players has, we don't know who that is yet, um, might miss the game uh, because of a positive test for uh, COVID. So like, I mean, it is hard to look past Donegal here, but look, stranger things have happened. Tyrone were favourites, I'm pretty sure, last year and Donegal completely shocked them. Anyways, listen, lads, we'll leave it there and we'll come back with Davy Burke. Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you've probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. <laughs> So after two great results, hammering Antrim at home and beating Wexford away, Wicklow footballers are promoted to Division 3 and their manager, Davy Burke, joins us on the line now. How's it going, Davy? Well, well, Callum. Uh, a busy week, I would imagine, trying to get the lads' bodies right and heading back into the lines then, the exact same venue, the exact same team for the Championship next week. 
Yeah, yeah, very busy week. Yeah, we would have picked up a few knocks and niggles last last Saturday there in the in the, in the promotion game down at Wester Park. So uh, we our, our priority this week is to get the bodies right and the fresh and lads back up and uh, try to get the heads back right because you just never know. Obviously, we would have secured promotion and you know what was that lads' priority? You just never know where they will be coming into the championship week. So our job as management is obviously try narrow the focus again. You know. Right. So, like, I mean, talking about priorities, I was commenting on Monday's show that out of all the highlights we saw last Sunday night, the Wicklow footballers clearly celebrated that promotion on the pitch. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that either. They showed a bit of emotion. Like, that That, that clearly was a priority for you this year, Davey. Uh, absolutely, yeah. It's been it's since 2012 was the last time Wicklow would have got out of Division 4, you know. So, uh, clearly a priority. And we've no problem saying that, Tom. We, we are where we are. We know where we are. We're really... Uh, we're working hard to improve it. We're working hard to get a find a level of consistency. For me, it's the biggest thing since I came into Division Four. There was huge spikes. We were brilliant today. We were brutal tomorrow. You know, and it's no right. good to us. So I'd much prefer find a level of six or seven or seven and a half out of ten would do me. You know, that kind of find a decent level, play at it every week, and we're guaranteed. You know where we'll be then. Whereas this up and down crack and inconsistency, I just couldn't get my head around it. So I think. We might have sorted that slightly, and we find it at reasonable level of form now. You know. Yeah, you, you you seem to be in great form since we since we came back. Like I mean, you stuck seven past Antrim. I don't know. Was that a freak result, or are you working on goals? I believe you you're you have them playing a direct style from the match report, whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means is right. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we 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 do play a direct style, but the Antrim results. To be honest with you. Uh, getting the two points was no surprise you know we were fairly confident going into the game that we were right we prepared well so the result was no um, no surprise at all look obviously the manner of it uh, maybe Andrew didn't have as much work done as we had or you, you just don't know in these strange times but to be honest with you anyone who comes to Ockram uh, column will, 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 will get the fill of it um, so uh, we wouldn't mind anyone coming down your road you know yeah, well, historically, you don't have to tell me. Being from Leash, um, we all remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we all remember the Battle of Ockram. But come here, like I mean, talk to us about the direct style. Is is that like a direct kicking style? Then, like I mean, he didn't. The reporter I was reading didn't really elaborate on it. Yeah, well, look, we'd be we'd be very much. We'd have a couple of target men, like in Shawnee Furlong. There would be yeah. one of the best target men in Division Four, and a long time at it. And you know, if you put any sort of a ball 50-50 into Shawnee, he generally generally would either come out with it or might break at your side. You know, so uh, he's a very very dangerous player there, and we like to use it. Look, in all my teams, if you go back through them all, I promote foot passing. I promote 30, 35 meter foot passing. And to be honest with you, Colin, I don't promote too much further than that because most lads can't kick it accurate no further than that. You know, <laughs> so um, yeah. and that's the truth of it. That's that's the truth of it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'd be a big promoter and big push of kick passing. We'd work on it, particularly on the diagonal balls and everything, you know. And, and look, yeah. you can talk about it and opposition managers can say, okay, they're working on the diagonal ball, but it's easier said than done to stop it, you know. No, it is. Well, obviously, the sweeper covers the obvious ball and the diagonal, could, you know, kind of tricks yeah. him out. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. So the, the dink ball in in front of the 14 or whatever, the sweeper's generally in place to, to stop that ball, you know. But then if you, if you, take, you use a diagonal ball, you can take both defenders out and if your full four wins it and turns it's a goal, you know. So uh, yeah. so look, now don't get me wrong, we use that as one of our weapons, you know, and uh, and hopefully, and there's good young lads there coming off, Johnny, they like Javon Darcy, Connor Byrne and, you know, Gerald Murphy are dangerous enough young guys there too who kind of complement each other, you know. Yeah, so like, I mean, Wicklow, like there's a bit of talent coming through in Wicklow. We know their minors made headlines. Was it two years ago, 2018? Like, I mean, it, I see Owen Darcy has been promoted off that team. Like, you know, it, it's it's probably people look at Wicklow in Division 4 and don't really think maybe, you know, you're, you're getting maybe five, six, seven very high quality players coming through. 
Absolutely, it is huge. And look, and, and to be honest with you, this is just a coincidence that I ended up landing in at the same time, and it's brilliant. It's worked out a treat, to be honest. So, so um, yeah, there's some really, really high quality, like the likes of even someone you didn't mention there, and Paddy O'Kane, when it came through that minor team at Owen Darcy. And to be honest, Conan, there's very few cornerbacks as good as them out there, particularly 19, 20-year-olds. I wouldn't know. I would have had a good future in my hands, and very few would be would be as good as Paddy O'Kane would be. So, again, it's another player who's coming through with the right attitude, just willingness to work, and you give many jobs, no job too big or too small for Paddy so that's another guy you know so yeah. Um, yeah we really do have a group of good good guys coming through really good youth because I think I think to be honest with you it probably went a bit stale I think you know when I came in at the start of the year a really genuine guy would have said to me there's not a huge amount of competition when I, I said to him straight up when I met him for a cup of tea in November last year well, well I can guarantee I'll find competition from somewhere because and, and he didn't mean that in any way that he yeah. was being arrogant or any way that he was you know, he was just saying, I know I'm going to start in this position. And it's not it's not because for any other reason other than there's nothing behind me. You know, that kind of way. So uh, I had to make it my business then to make sure that fella, uh, you know, was pushed on a small bit, you know. And look, he lost his position, but ultimately he's back in that position now. And he's absolutely flying purely because every night of training, he has to look over his shoulder now, you know. Right, right. OK, maybe he regretted being so honest with you in the cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Come here, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just on that point then, so John Evans brought in Oshin Mang, uh, Manning and David Devereaux from Dublin. I was reading an interview uh, from Dublin Clubs and I was reading an interview with you saying you were open to that. And then I was thinking, do you have to get the balance right there? Because if you start bringing in two or three more fellas, I don't, I don't think you did, but that might turn off these young fellas going, ah, Jesus, you know, where's our chance going to come from? Yeah, absolutely. Be very, very careful. And and to be honest, it's more about the personalities. It's more about the character. You know, we're not going re- recruiting any superstar dubs here. You know, ultimately they'll play for Dublin if they want. You know, so uh, it's not a case of that. Whereas the likes of Oshin and Dave now would be serious, serious fellas. Good football men, really good characters in the group. A small bit older, which you know we'd be a young group. So they're good. They're good guys to guide the lads and look after the lads as well. And to be honest, it's it's a purely about the character. If you come in and you're willing to put your shoulder to the wheel, I don't think anybody in Wicklow will mind will mind who you are, where you're from, or you know what the story is. It's if guys come in thinking I'm from X county and I'm going to I'm going to do my own thing here, well that'll put people off, and we wouldn't stand up for that anyway, you know. So um, so to be honest, with the two lads in in particular that are in, they're really really good fellas, and they're really making a big impact for us. So there's no issue there, you know. Yeah, I knew you were young, right? Because I didn't realise you were 31. You're making me feel very old. Like I mean, you've won an All Ireland under 21. Kildare, you've won a county title with Sarsfields and now you've got promotion. You're only 31. Like, I mean, you should still be playing. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually 32, just to, just to, just to correct the record. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, look, to be honest, I would have started very young. I, I was a player and I, I would have done my, uh, done my cruciate early, come very early. And it was back in the day when when they x-rayed me, so I would have done my knee in training one night, and they x-rayed me instead of scanning me, it was that long ago, so, uh, and they, they would have put me in a cast, etc, etc, sure, the first night back out in the cast, sure, I left the whole cruise shit, ACL, MCL, the whole lot, I ended up with a plastic kneecap now, so, that's really why, when I was 15 or 16, it was, it was, it was ball burst for me, you know, to be honest with you, Carl, I don't think I was ever going to make any headlines as a player anyway, so, um, uh, I don't, I don't think I'm any great loss to Kildare or to anybody, you know, to be honest, so, uh, I just got straight into it, uh, went straight away into the underage in the club in fairness to my club the senior ladies took a chance on me I was only 18 years of age they took a chance on me and we went on with decent success for them and kind of just kicked on from there you know but it was something in my house like my parents were the chair people of our local club you, you couldn't get away from it you know you, you, were, you were just involved you know that kind of way Right right okay and like I mean then the path then to the Kildare under 20s just came from the you know the success with the ladies 
No, so in between now, I manage my home club. Uh, well, I would have managed a good few teams, but in between Comfy Senior Footballers, which is my home club, and uh, Comfy GA man in Kildare there, and uh, I would have I would have taken on the senior job. Sorry, where did I go first? Dublin Senior Ladies came on first, Colin, 2014. Right. Um, Dublin Senior Ladies, I went in as assistant manager with Greg McGonigal there uh, for two years. We had a decent run. We won two under-21 All-Ireland, but we were beating the two senior finals by probably the best team of all time, that Cork team particularly the 2014 one that's sticking us now we're 10 points up with about 8 or 9 minutes to oh, go yeah. and oh, we're do, done by a point there so that one still lives long in my memory and, and you'll see me in the side now my teams could be 10 points up today with 2 minutes in the injury time and I'll never let up anymore I'll never ever let up because that day just sickens me but anyway so moved on from there after 2 years I went back to my home senior men's club comfy um, decent run with them as well we won Division 1 for the first time ever until there which decent enough achievement considering the new the, 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 the new bridge clubs the Atai the Selbridges so for a club like Comfy which is a small rural parish to win Division 1 was fair going you know and we also got to the senior semi-final that year and were pipped by Sarsfield so we had a good run for, for them couple of years with them and after that we moved into Lauer and touching and moved into the under 20s there and yeah we had a decent enough run with them guys alright Yeah were you in the mix for the Kildare senior job around the time of Jack O'Connor as well? Well, yeah, I, I, I think I was. Yeah, I presume I was. Look, they didn't. They, there was, you know, they didn't. Uh, I, I think when Jack became available, uh, I think their search ended. You know, so right. uh, yeah, I, I'd say I, I'd say I was in around the mix. All right, but uh, yeah, once Jack became available, I think he trumped all the rest. Must be honest. So, so where did you learn your? Who did you get? You know, a lot of the management kind of tips from, and who did you learn your trade from? Because, like, I mean, I suppose if I was thinking if I went into management, it would be managers I played under. You, your career was cut so short. You know, yeah. is it more managers you worked with that you got the kind of um, in, inspiration from? No, it it would have been my father. My father actually he passed away a long time. It would have been uh, for fifteen or sixteen years ago. But he, I would have picked it all up off him through business and through football. He would have been a very very successful manager in his own right. He would have managed. Um, he's a teacher by trade, but he would have managed St Davids and Artane. Would have had Stephen Cookson, Stephen McPhail. He would have had a lot of top footballers. Davran from Kilmacud Croaks through his hands. He would have had huge huge footballers through his hands out there himself and Brian Talty, Brian Ladden, etc. Would have been. So Kim Burke would have been in the mix with all them. And so I would have learned a huge amount off that. So uh, to be honest, I was at every sideline in the country and every game in the country with him. And I just picked up bits and pieces over over the years. And if 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 you were to meet anyone who played under me, I think I think I think the sidelines are similarly ran now as they were back then. You know, <laughs> so I think I I think that's where a lot of it came from. To be honest, yeah. And a great thing without a crowd there, they can all hear you now as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm not quite as <laughs> unfortunately. So uh, yeah, look, it is it is what it is, I suppose. Kamir, you were saying I was reading um, that you were saying you don't need a magic wand. Positivity is an excellent tool, and you said if they keep getting told you're not good enough and you're brutal, you're going to be brutal, aren't you? Um, I'd be telling them the opposite and working them hard behind the scenes. And I can kind of tell from talking to you that you would be an infectious kind of character and a positive character. And I don't want to give you a big head, but that's probably Mick O'Dwyer's biggest uh, attribute as a manager I found was his positivity and how he could build players up. Yeah, and, and, and the key thing, positivity is everything. Now, it's not blind positivity. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're not, we're not well, you know, there's nothing worse. These guys are intelligent. Young men are intelligent men who've played a long, long time. I can't go into a dressing room to Darren Hayden or to Dean Healy or to Shawnee Furlong and be, you know, blowing things up when they're not real because they'll laugh me out. They'll, they'll get rid of me straight away. So if, if something is positive, let them know. If they're working hard, let them know. If there's good young guys coming through, let them know. You know, when, when I've been, I've managed in underage until there. I've managed here and there. I've seen the good lads. These are equally as good, equally as positive, equally as, you know, exciting to work with. So why not share that? I just believe 
positivity is everything and, and, and don't get me wrong there's times Colin when I have to let a few let fly and I do let fly and, but I do believe the lads appreciate you more because if 90% of the time you're, you're, you're backing them it's just the odd time when you have to, when you have to let, let, let loose or whatever it is they, then they might say well, okay you're right there we need to actually tune into this or whatever it might be you know so uh, but, but being upbeat being energetic I think it's the only way to go because you know, it, there's enough of us. Why do we all do this football? Why do we travel hours per night? Why do we do it? Surely we do it because we love it. I don't sit in that M11 every night at Bray in traffic going nowhere, be going to Wicklow for anything else other than the enjoyment of it and the fact I know I'm going down to a really good team who are mad for, mad for information, mad for, you know, just mad for progression, you know. And that's, so why not be positive? We've all had shit days and works. We've all had whatever, but when we get on the field, that hour, whatever we do in the field, just clears everything. You're hugely positive afterwards. And then, and then you move on, you know. And a team like Wicklow, have been beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and told her this and told her that. And if you're told you're no good at broadcasting, sure, you're going to think you're no good at it. You know yeah, that kind of way. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm told that plenty of times. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, it's the same thing in my line of work. If you're told you're no good and you, you start seeping in, doubts will start seeping in. Whereas I believe, Nats, if we prepare like X, if we do this night after night, find our level of consistency, as I said, I said, right, then let teams come break us down. Then you'll figure out, Jesus, this actually isn't too bad here. This is positive. We are making ground here. And then they start believing it. As I said, it can't be blind. But once, once I think work, once the work and the level of preparation is there and the positivity is there, lads want to be with you, Colin. You know what yeah. I mean? They want to, because like, you often hear in Wicklow, oh, they can never get the best team out. And you probably hear this everywhere, really. Yeah. You know, you can, they can't get the best 15 out. There's not one player in Wicklow we want at the minute. Not one player we want we don't have. So I think that's a fair, that's a fair reflection on the guys that are they're, they're, they're mad to come in. And they're, they're, you know, whereas, say, in November, December time last year, Colin, I would have made calls, obviously, like you would. And it would have been a lot of, not a lot of, it would have been a bit of, oh, I'm in trail, oh, DCU on a Tuesday, I'm not sure, oh, I'll, I'll come back to you. And at that yeah. stage, we were like, okay, come back to me. Whereas now I made a few calls and it's very much a case of, Jesus, when, when we starting? You know, that kind of way. So um, um, it's come full circle now, you know, that kind of yeah. way. Yeah, I suppose the word has got out that it's a happy panel and people maybe want to, you know, get in the mix um, on it. Yeah. So you, have no, you have no problem with the positivity this week now after getting promoted, winning the way against Wexford. A very, very weird situation for a young manager is, I'm sure you haven't done it before, because I wouldn't say many managers have ever done it before, is beat a team in the league away in a in a in a promotion match, and then have to go down to their exact ground the very week later and play them in a in a knockout championship match. Yeah, it is it, really unusual. It's, it's seriously unusual. The only big upside to it is it's only one video analysis session. In that we are both our review is their review. <laughs> so your opposition analysis your opposition analysis is the same as your own review. So uh, look, it means we only have to do 10 minutes instead of doing 20. And you know yourself, there's nothing worse than boring our video sessions. You want to just get out in the field or whatever you're doing. So um, um, so look, that's one positive out of it. Yeah, it's a very, very unique situation. I've never had to manage in a, in, a, in a situation like this before. But again, I'm learning and you know I'll get a good bit out of this week as well. But we look, our main focus is recover the bodies, get them right. We did pick up a few knocks and niggles the other day, as, as would be expected in a fairly, fairly physical game. Um, but they'll be all right. We'll, we'll get them right, get back out onto the field. The way I'm viewing it, Colin, is like very, very simple. And I got a good bit of experience off this last year. I'm kind of viewing it like a county final replay, to be honest with you. So, yeah. uh, in, in other words, that's what I'm doing. I look, uh, I would have had this very case last year in the Newbridge final class with Mossy last year. And we drew the first day and we came out, came out the right side the second day. I believe who learns more and also, to be honest with you, who has the key change to make? I think you need a change. I don't think the same two fifteen 
are gonna are gonna take each other on. I don't think they should take each other on. I think there's a key change needed, and we have one lined up. I hope, and um, I think that 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 generally is a curveball that's needed for the second day. The same two fifteens can't just go at it again, you know. So I think I think that's what's needed for this weekend. Well, that's important. That's that's one thing I always with Dublin in replays. Jim Gavin always maybe changes something the next day, you know. And and for some, but the one thing about the match last week, the conditions were so bloody terrible that you, surely they won't be as bad this week. And it might be a different type of game, anyways. Would that be fair? Yeah, you'd be hoping. You'd be hoping. Geez, the sunny southeast wasn't wasn't very good last week. <laughs> I, I came off the field. I came off the field, and only when I was on the bus, whatever it was, after. And looking at the scores, and I seen one seventeen and one twenty being kicked around the country. I was like, Jesus Christ, were we terrible or what's the? And then I was talking to some of the guys in Newbridge, and beautiful day in Newbridge, not a, not an ounce of wind or, or rain. So then they kind of made sense to me. We were all right, thirteen points. We we're happy enough after. Literally, it was a monsoon, and I was only talking to people. And they were saying, Jesus, we thought you were in trouble at halftime. You had a big wind, but you were only within two points up. And uh, but the rain was so bad and across field that. The wind had no impact on the game whatsoever. Right. The wind was was irrelevant. So so I might have looked from home that these we go only a couple of points up and they have a decent wind with them. To be honest with you, the wind made no no bearing at all in the game. You know, so hopefully this weekend we got a drier day. We want to play football as I'm sure Wexford do too. You know, we yeah. love to. As you've seen, we did we did rack up a bit of a score against Antrim. We want to score. Like I was told, Colin. Um, Wicklow can't score my Kipman one of the first things he told me is we struggle to score 11 or 12 points every game I'm Kipman for the last 7 or 8 years here you know so um, um, I said well well, well, <laughs> let's sort that out you know that kind of way so every team can score there's players everywhere you know it's just maybe maybe are they, do they know what they have to do or you know that kind of way yeah, maybe, yeah, the messaging wasn't there. Well, come here, I'm looking forward to seeing what this surprise you have in store uh, for the weekend, uh, or the weekend is, Davey. Thanks very much for taking the call. I appreciate it. Cheers, Colin. Thank you. When your legs don't work like they used to before I was actually coming home on Saturday morning and I had the podcast on for Newbridge all night and that that helps the journey to be honest if I'm if I ran out of Ed Sheeran songs depends on mood I'm in Ed's good for uh, if you're in a sappy mood Ed's good to sing along to you and then if you're in a GA head mood which I am probably most of the week then I turn these boys on Darling I will be loving you All right, lads, predictions here, because we know it's a bumper weekend. There's loads of uh, championship matches, so we want to run down through these. And we'll start with Derry Armagh. Very interesting game. Um, I suppose we're wondering how Tyrone are going to set up here, Kieran. Like, I mean, I think it's fairly obvious how Derry are going to set up. Rory Gallagher's their manager. He's gotten joy from Armagh before with Fermanagh, especially two years ago when they were, you know, massive underdogs. A kicking team like Armagh have tended to struggle against very, very defensive teams. So if we're wondering about how this game is going to pan out, I don't think we need to be... Uh, I think we can be very comfortable in saying Armagh are going to face a lot of bodies in front of them. Yeah, look, you know, um suppose um, you go back to two years ago when Framan overturned Armagh and Brewster Park. You know, the, the talk on into this game was about the scoring power and the firepower that Armagh had within their squad. And, you know, and I think that they, you know... Armagh played into Fermanagh's hands and and tried to play that expansive expansive brand of football, like kicking and 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 going for the juggler, like you know, and left massive gaps in behind. And every time Fermanagh counter attacked, they got in behind us. And you know, I think the Armagh squad has learned a lot from that day. And you know, when leading into this week, they know what they're going to face. And with 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 Derry and and Rory Gallagher in charge, you know, and we talked about the uh, Donegal's room game being cagey. 
And I believe this game is going with the Armagh Derry game be cagey also, like because Armagh yeah. can now sit back, can sit back and keep things tight and play on a counter attack and brand a football now as well. And and if that does happen, I think Armagh's further down the line and athletic development ability that they, they can pose Derry's more problems playing that brand of football than than being expansive on Sunday afternoon. Well, that's it. There's certain games suit certain styles and this isn't going to be it. And Rory Grugan, I think I mentioned on the show before, I was talking to him about this and he was like, Armagh in the past were a little bit too eager to go with the kick pass, especially when they were like they were blowing leads there for a while, you know, against Tipperary and different teams. And he's like, we need to just be able to close it out. And I suppose, did you, re- realistically, Kieran, they just need to watch a video of how Donegal do it. Donegal, like it, they almost slow the attack down to walking pace until all their team is back in position because we know... If you're playing a very defensive team, your forwards are all over the place chasing cornerbacks and fullbacks that are running up the field. So, like, I actually think Donegal have this system down to a fine art that, like, I mean, the, the idea that you win a kick out and you go rushing up the field while your forwards aren't in position, you know, you're, you're in no man's land there. Whereas Donegal, you could see Ryan McHugh walking with the ball. And I suppose when he's walking with the ball, his forwards are jogging back down into position. Yeah, yeah, and I think this has all come from from the Dublin template. You know, um, you go back to two, three years ago, you know, you can see the Dublin players raising an arm in the middle of the pitch and that means a reset. And that means that every player is getting in their position to try and counter-attack or try and break down a blanket defence. And, you know, Donegal have added that to the game. And I know this year from watching Armagh and, you know, especially watching their last two matches, you know, they've been working on this and, you know, they're making calls around the middle of the pitch when the game becomes slow and you can see players setting up uh, along the sideline and occupying boys on top of the D and, you know, and they're gearing themselves, you know, for Sunday and they were trialling and earned, earned these, um, we set plays on, in the last two league matches and, you know, and if you watch, watch back to the Roscommon and Clare matches, they got plenty of joy when this happened, you know, but on the flip side of that is, you know, whenever they get overturned, they've got to be really switched on and either stop the game or filter back and cover the full back line a wee bit quicker than they have done in the last two matches. Yeah, like I mean, when you think about it, they're almost the perfect tactics, uh, Connor, in that you get to, to defend with lots of numbers, and then by the time it comes to your turn to attack, you have your, you know what I mean, you can pair off kind of one versus one. Yeah, but you just have to have to have, have, to have the patience for it. And as you yeah. said, the, you've got Donegal have that down to a fine art. And some people can get a bit impulsive the way, depending on the way the game is going. They might, you know, try a shot from a ridiculous angle or, or you know, just try and, as you said, speed up, speed up the attack when, when the players aren't in, in position to do it. So, you know, just like you'd like to think at this stage, uh, Kieran has mentioned it there, you know, through kind of, through some hard lessons that, that Arma have had to have, have, have had to have, particularly in Ulster. And 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 just kind of through the through the kind of development of their own game in the last few years, to 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 kind of to come at it with a more sophisticated approach, and they'll need it because, the as I said, there had, there has been a few occasions in the last few years when they've struggled against blanket defence, and and even to be honest, there was there was signs against. I know it was the first league game back, but there was signs of a little bit of impatience occasionally against Roscommon. And particularly, as Kieran said, what if Rory Gallagher was taking anthem from that game? I would say it was when it was the way that kind of Ross Common broke in behind the defence, the Armagh defence, a few times on the counter attack and got in for three goals and could have had more. So it just it's like you'd like to think that the lessons are learned and they've a bit more patience. And it, and unless I would say unless Derry get into a huge lead in the first half round like that, I would say Armagh will be patient. They they will they will they will kind of um, they will go through the motions that they have to go through. And they should, you know, despite Rory Gallagher's record against Kieran McGinney and the way he plays, you'd, you'd like to think this will be one that Armagh can, can get over the line on. 
Yeah, what's the story with Charlotte Oak Burns, Kieran? Is he not able to make the team? Like, I was very impressed with him last summer. Um, like, Gushin O'Neill seems to be the man in midfield now. Yeah, um, Charlie Oak, um, you know, had an exceptional summer last last year, you know, but you know, unmarked, that's gone. You know, you're you're entering yeah. the year, um, you know, and you know, and you know, and to be fair, Oshin O'Neill, he, you know, Oshin and and Rain's probably good for each other. Um, yeah. Oshin missed missed the bulk of last year through a, a bad ankle injury. Um, we've seen his younger brother Rain shooting the lights out, and you know, when the two boys are competitive, that would have hurt Oshin personally. And that would have driven him on to really cement a spot in the Armagh team at the present minute. And you knowing the two boys can only be good for each other because they're pushing each other and they're two big players for Armagh. And, um, yeah. and you know, Washington, to be fair, has cemented that and held that position from, from the start of the year and even through lockdown. I know he's trained really hard to keep that edge ahead of every, every, everybody else in the Armagh squad to keep his place for whenever the thing opened up again. Yeah. And what about Ryan Kennedy? Is he going to solve a full back position? Yeah, Ryan. Ryan's um, steady. You know, he's aggressive, competing for the ball. You know, he's like every other defender. You know, he can be a wee bit too aggressive at times, says me, Pot Cattle Black. Well, to cut you off there, and I have to say this to your face, because I said this on the show when you weren't here, that he did the old, the old Armagh trick of coming down with the knees that she invented that you invented in around 2002, 3, 4. This was an Armagh invention, and I'll give you your right of reply. <laughs> uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say it was an Armagh invention. Them things were, were happening long before Armagh started. Look back to videos in the 70s and 80s. It was it was worse than that. Um, you know, look, you know, Ran is steady. He's, you know, he's, you know, he wants to play there, and he doesn't mind. Like, if he's given the job of Mark and Shane, McGu- or Shane McGuigan on, on Sunday afternoon, like as I said earlier, he'll relish that opportunity and 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 prepare properly for it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It'll probably it will be him pairs off um, against Shane McGuigan. He's their big scorer. Like I mean, and I suppose Connor, when you have a defensive game plan, you do need special forwards because you need a forward that's going to be able to kick a score when it's maybe a two on one situation or someone coming back to double up. And Shane McGuigan's definitely somebody that falls into that category of a special forward. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I hadn't seen much of Derry in the last couple of games, so I was just kind of on to Conan about it. And he was saying that, like, Shane McGuigan, the way that Derry played because they got so many men behind the ball, Shane McGuigan was still was still able to do a lot of work and still worked at, still was available as that outlet. And I think he got, might have got four points from play against Offaly as well. So, but that's 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 the thing. Like that's that that Rory Gallagher template of the way that Derry is going to be playing. It's 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 useless to them unless they they have some marksman in there like Shane McLaughlin or Niall Lachlan, I think, or maybe Angelin might play a bit further back. But they're going to need these. They're going to need these outballs on Sunday against Armagh because there's there's no point in kind of getting so many men back behind the ball if you don't have anybody delivered to once you get it, or unless you get like loads of numbers uh, for the pace, which they might get from from Kieran McFall and Connor Connor Glass in midfield. So yeah, Shane McGuigan, he'll be. I, I suppose when 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 Kieran is is doing his homework, he'll, he'll be the number one. So looks like Ryan Kennedy will be will be the man to stop him. So. But like that, but that battle be will be uh, will be crucial. But uh, McGuigan will definitely take watching. That's for sure. Yeah, Endelin is a good one to call out. He's got he's got loads of pace, and he's a good link man to be able to link that kind of bodies behind the ball and carry it up at pace. You know, at at speed, I suppose. Lads, we'll get a we'll get a prediction on this one. I know where you're going, Kieran. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, um, I done a preview last night in this game with the sideline. A, um, you know, it's going to be cagey. Um, 
And I think Armagh will, will eventually pull away in the last 15 minutes. Um, when the game opens out, they'll get to kick more ball. Um, you know, watching Derry's last two matches, this is a period of the match where they're struggling to start the fatigue. Um, Rory Gallagher probably hasn't got the opportunity to build that base for the type right. of football that he wants them to play. And I think going down the home straight, Armagh will, will pull away. Anything about anything about Celtic Park? What's your record like there? Um, we played them in 2010 in the championship and come out winners. And um, I think we only ever played maybe in 2014. We played them in a league match in it. Right. Um, I'm not quite sure how that went because remember I done my ankle that night and I had to come off early. So I think maybe <laughs> Derry, Derry, Derry pipped us. Right. Okay. So, like, I mean, what about you? What about you, Connor? Like, I'm going for Armagh as well here. I think for the same, pretty much the same reasons as Kieran. I think they have too similar reasons to Donegal to Rowan. They have too much firepower for them, and coming down the home straight, surely that will count. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not to just echo what the two of you said, but even just looking at like that the the fellas that um, that Armagh were able to bring off the bench against Clare last week. You're talking about Jerry O'Burns, uh, Connor Turbot. I think who had started the week before and has been impressive at times. I think Stephen Campbell came off the bench as well. So between between whoever they're going to start and between they're able to go, they're going to be able to bring on. And I don't think Jerry have that impact off the bench and that the the effort that they're going to go to to kind of to play the game plan that they're probably going to play. You know that that that's gonna that's gonna take a lot of energy. So I would imagine that like come the last twenty minutes, Armagh will pull away and probably could pull away comfortably to win by five or six. Right. Okay. Like next one is Monaghan Cavan lads, and I think this is a straightforward um one as well. This is in Clonus. Obviously, Cavan won this one last year. They're missing like you I mean you're talking about Kieran Clark, Dara Moynihan, and Dara McVitie. You're looking at they're arguably their best defender, best midfielder, and best forward. So like I mean they're not at full strength. They've been relegated. Monaghan have stayed in Division One for the eighth year in a row, which is incredibly pr- impressive stat when you see Donegal struggling, you see Mayo struggling, you know, you see Kerry struggling for a few years. Um, in Division One, they never do, and they're solid championship performers. Maybe not so much last year, but like I mean, to have Banty in there now, and you know, Conor McManus is flying. One thing that you'll be concerned with them, Kieran, is is uh, Conor McCarthy. Like we thought, he was going to develop into more of a centre half forward kind of role. He's played inside the last two games and been taken off in both of them. You know, so like I mean, again, you look at teams against Monaghan and you double mark Kieran McManus. I know it's not easy to do, but you you're just looking for them especially with um, Jack McCarron um, out for the year. You just, you want to see, you you, you kind of want to see another forward put their hand up, Kieran. Yeah, um, Conor McCarthy, we, we all know what he can pose. Um, he's exciting when he's on ball, but you know, playing him inside, I think he struggles to win his own ball. Um, yeah. And that's probably part of the problem why he doesn't excel in there as much as he would as he, when he's a wee bit looser out at number 11, where he can get his hands in the balls a wee bit more freedom pick passes inside and then use his pace to get off the likes of McManus and then boys inside and create problems. You know, so that's something that maybe the Banty will have to think about. Um because Connor needs that help. You know, you'd imagine that Calvin would go about trying to shut down Manzi at the weekend and they'd be thinking if they have that done, they've they've an opportunity to go and win the game. But um and if that happens, Monaghan will need to get scores from from other players out around the pitch. Yeah, Niall Kearns is out as well for Monaghan, who's a bit who's a huge loss. You'd imagine you see the Hughes brothers um in midfield. You'd prefer like if you if it was an ideal world, you'd have Kieran in the full forward line, but they might be forced to play him in midfield, Connor. Yeah, yeah. And like in an ideal world, have him at fourteen of Connor McCarthy at eleven. You mentioned talking about Connor McCarthy there. He was absolutely brilliant before lockdown. And by all accounts, he was fine for Scotstown in the in the championship as well. Yeah. So. 
I just struggle to I struggle to see why he's why he's in at fourteen. Obviously, Bandy has his reasons, but uh, but yeah, in an ideal world, you've had you'd have Kieran Hughes at fourteen, him at eleven. But yeah, I again like Monaghan haven't set the, the world alight through with Mead at the weekend uh, since uh, since they came back. But I I know like they're like Cavan are in a far worse predicament after you know having gone down at having gone down at the weekend when when in a position that they might have actually got promoted had they won the game. So like I doubted I'd have doubts about their ability to recover from that. And just like it's a big carrot for for Monaghan as well. Like if they win this game, I think they play Antrim, and then you know should they win that, go on to play the winner of Fermanagh and down compared to the other side of the draw, which looks a bit difficult. So you know there's probably not as many people talking about Monaghan, you know, especially with Donegal and Tyrone on. So you know there's time for them to build momentum in the championship. Yeah, another interesting one they're doing. They're playing uh, Michael Bannigan at centre forward at number eleven. Now he played wing back earlier on in the championship. Then they play another defensive player like McInnesby or somebody on the wing. But apparently Bannigan played centre half forward for his club, um, Kieran. But his club play at junior level, and he played brilliantly there for them at junior level. But at the same time, he hasn't been overly impressive there for Monaghan in the last two games. And like, do you? Do he, a lot of managers say, "I'll pick you on club form," but surely the tier that you play at for your club has to come into question here. Yeah, there's a bit, there's a big step up there, um, you know, but, you know, suppose, you know, you know, suppose the time was to, to try these things out over the last two league matches to get yeah. ready for championship. And I'm sure the Bante is, is a smart enough man and he's a good backroom team in Ryanham that they'll know them things haven't worked and, and I'm sure they'll rejig things come the weekend and we could possibly see Conor McCarthy back out at that number 11 spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think they should do that, definitely. Predictions here, lads, are we all going for Monaghan? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to hard to see past morning for this one. Yeah, okay. Loud and Longford, lads. This is in Cusick Park. And to be honest with you, we don't probably have too much time to go into these games. So we'll just get a prediction on this one. I imagine Longford are in better form in, in, in the promotion race. A bit disappointed they didn't play against Cork, but maybe that rest would will have done them the world of good. Um I'm going for Longford in this one. Connor. Longford for me, will you? Yeah. Kieran? Yeah, I'll go for go for Longford, but you just wonder if that that week off and and Larry getting a win against down last weekend might upset the tart. Yeah, well, it I, might I, be a lesson. It'd be a lesson learned from Longford if it does, because they'll be out of the championship. Um, Offaly versus Carlo, as this is in O'Connor Park, and like we talked with Jared Brennan here last week, Carlo trying to change a little bit of the style of play that they've been used to over the last uh, three or four years. Uh, ran up 217 against Sligo and conceded 215. Not a scoreline you would have been used to, um, you know, from Carlo. Had a walkover then in the last round of the league. Offaly are a good team. They're a good footballing team, not not very defensive. This could be the game of the weekend, potentially, lads, and two teams that might go at each other. I'm going to go for Offaly because, very, very simple, in a shootout, Carlo have Paul Broderick, heavy scoring forward. Offaly have more. They've Niall McNamee, they've Anton O'Sullivan and they have a few more. So I think for that reason, I'll go for Carlo and a home advantage here. Kieran, Yeah, I'll, I'll go for Offaly in this one. Uh, Connor, Yeah, same. I just think they're a bit further on in their development. You know, as much as I'd like uh, a win for Carlo for for for, uh, for Joe Brennan, uh, I'm going to give like John Mann has had a couple of years with Offaly. He hasn't played in a lovely style of football as well. Um, so I fancy them. Uh, and uh, yeah, I agree. It could be a really good game too. Yeah, OK. Waterford Limerick, lads. This is on Saturday night in Dungarvan. Limerick, obviously, Division 4 champions um, going really well. To be honest with you, this could e- go either go either way. I'm going to go for Limerick based on current form in Division 4. What about you, uh, Kieran? Yeah, I'm going to go for Limerick. They have um, really developed this year in Division 4 and, and they've got promotion. Like, you know, so the spirits will be high and they'll want to, they'll want to make a, a start in the championship with a win and, and try to progress. Yeah, Connor. 
Limerick for me too, yeah. yeah. Okay, Wexford Wicklow, lads. This is a more difficult one to call, but after talking to Davy Burke, I'm jumping in on the Wicklow uh, side. Like, I mean, a good direct style of football, forwards winning their own ball, a couple of ball winners in their full forward line. He's a very, very positive man. The only tricky one about this is that they're going down to the exact same ground that they won at last weekend in the championship and being asked to do the exact same thing again. Now, in fairness to him, he was very honest and said, listen, if we do the same thing, that we did last week, um, it won't be good enough. He's looking at this, which is the right way to look at it. He's looking at it like a county final replay, which is a good a good analogy that he came up with. And he said, you have to pull out a surprise for the replay and don't go with the exact same thing that you went with the week before, which was honest enough stuff, Kieran. I'm I'm in the Wicklow camp on this one. But again, this, this is more of a 50-50 one, not as easy to call it. Yeah, looking back at that league match, um... Two weeks ago, like it, it could have went either way, um, you know, and you know, I'm sure Waxford would have learned a lot from it. And I'm going to swear towards Waxford in this this one. Right, okay, Connor. What about you? Uh, Davy Burke didn't tell you the surprise he's going to pull out. For the <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I think I would be a little bit too intrusive to even ask that question. I wouldn't get the answer I want, and I might be seen as a bigger bollocks than I already am for even asking it. <laughs> By all accounts, they were really good value for that uh, for that win too. I just. It's uh, you. You have to wonder about the amount of shadow boxing that was that was going on and stuff. And I think it's really hard to, because there wasn't much in it in the end. It's really hard to beat the same team twice in such a short space of time. Just given all that, I'm going to give a very hesitant nod to Wexford. Yeah, and it's actually an interesting one because it's often it's often the case with managers when you win a game, you stay with the same team. Like Mick O'Dwyer mm-hmm. used to break my heart. Like I mean, if you're not on the starting team and the team wins, forget about it. It doesn't matter what you do; they never change as a winning team. But for Davy Burke to say that he's going to pull a surprise out and potentially change something from the team that won, you know, traditionally that's not usually the way managers go about it. So fair play to him for doing that. The final one and the big one here is Leitrim versus Mayo. This is in Carrick on Shannon. Look, it's very, it's very hard. It's, look, it's literally impossible to see uh, past a Mayo win here, Connor. Like, I mean, you're in good form. I made the point on Monday that in a weird way, Mayo are going to Division 2, but they look in better shape than Galloway, who have came third in Division or in Division 1. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think I wasn't actually that disappointed after the Tyrone game because we came from position from being like seven or eight points down, got back to within the point, could have drawn or won the game. And to be honest, just looking back on it, I think the the mistakes that there was clear, there was there was stuff there that you can easily work on to try and correct the the mistakes that may the Mayo made against Tyrone. And uh, I, I I'd agree. Just watching Galway against Dublin, I probably would agree we're in better shape. I would worry about Ross Common down the line, providing we do get over next week or this weekend. But like, there there shouldn't be any 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 issue for for Mayo and Carrick and Shannon this weekend. Should be comfortable with. Yeah. Okay, Kieran. I'll, I'll throw this over to you. We won't spend too much time on Mayo because they get a disproportionate amount of analysis on this show. <laughs> no, no, no. Very yeah. disproportionate. Between their their trials and tribulations, I find myself speaking about Mayo uh, way more than I should. Yeah, no, I think Terry Highland's done a good job in Leitham. He's made them more competitive, um, you know, but I think this is just going to be a step too far for them at, at the weekend and uh, expect Mayo to win comfortable enough. Yeah, I'll be going for Mayo as well. So there you have it, lads. It's an absolute bumper weekend of uh, Gaelic football and we'll be back on Monday um, to review it all. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. Thanks, lads. Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and uh, 
and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back their county jerseys. But these fellas, will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.